Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Guess who I am? I'm Jason Whitlock, the host of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Thank you so much for joining me on this awesome, wonderful Thursday afternoon. You guys know what it is. It's 24 hours uh, before it's Friday and it's the weekend. Oh my God, we've almost made it through another week. I hope you're as pleased and as uh, excited and as passionate as I am for today's show. It's going to be awesome. We have uh, Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell on deck. We have TJ Mo on deck and we have Maj Ture. I don't know if you guys caught this uh, and this will do this at the end of the show. Maj Ture and my main man Matt Walsh are beefing again over Twitter and so uh, we're going to bring Maj on to understand, uh, get a clue as to what his beef is with uh, Matt Walsh. They seem to be in disagreement about uh, corporal punishment or punishing drug traffickers and criminals. And anyway, we'll hear from uh, Maj Ture on that uh, about his beef with uh, Matt Walsh. Before we do any of that, though, we'll talk some sports with uh, Steve Kim and I'll unpack a fire starter that Steve Kim and I will talk about and uh, TJ Moe will talk about. And so stick with me guys, this is off the cuff somewhat, but I'm gonna try to put everything together here. And, and part of this is a continuation of the conversation we had yesterday and a conversation we've really been having for the past week or so, but there have been new developments. I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but uh, Matt Barnes uh, from All the Smoke, the former NBA player, uh, the, the, the light-skinned, tough guy that uh, Kwame Brown nicknamed uh, Becky with the good hair. He does the All the Smoke podcast. He likes to fight. He's a tough guy. He's in his 40s or so something. He's a dad in his 40s. He spit. He spit on his ex-fiance's boyfriend or his ex-wife's fiance. He spit on some dude outside of an NFL playoff game and it was captured on tape. And that made me put together this whole list or this whole thing that's going on in the sports media that we've talked about before. Death Row Media. Death Row Media. And it's Aqib Tlaib the uh, former Pro Bowl NFL cornerback, Super Bowl champion, all-pro player that went into broadcasting for first for Fox Sports and then Amazon. You guys remember uh, Aqib Tlaib sparking uh, a peewee football brawl that turned into murder. It's Steven Jackson, former NBA star, guy you've heard me talk about uh, positively on this show from time to time, but Steven Jackson is basically the Suge Knight of uh, Death Row Media. Uh, he's, he's got into a little shouting match, confrontation outside a boxing match or in the boxing ring or very close to ringside uh, defending his wife. Of course, it's Shannon Sharp, the Fox Sports Hall of Fame NFL player who last week uh, got into it with the Memphis Grizzlies and had to be escorted off the court. And, and then, have I left anybody? Aqib Tlaib, Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, and Shannon Sharp. And, and, and I want to juxtapose Death Row Media, these guys that are all getting these opportunities and all the big stars of sports media, 
and how we've been treating Tony Dungy. Tony, and we talked about this yesterday, how people aren't lining up to defend Tony Dungy as his character gets assassinated by left-wing media, by leftists in the media that are very upset that Tony Dungy went to a March for Life uh, protest or, or celebration, and they've been upset that Tony Dungy won't hop on board with putting tampons in boys' bathrooms in schools, and he tweeted out some snark, and they've uh, framed Tony Dungy as the worst human being on the planet. And so for a guy my age that, you know, grew up in the 80s and 90s listening to all that garbage hip hop, you got death row media on one side, and then you got guys like Tone Loke. You guys remember Tone Loke? And that's who I'm calling Tony Dungy, Tone Loke. Tone Loke had that very popular song, Wild Thing. Don't think we can call Tony Dungy Wild Thing, but we can call him Mild Thing. And I just want to, to juxtapose and compare the difference in how Tony Dungy's character is getting assassinated. Tony Dungy, the highest character individual we've seen in sports, at least the way he presents himself, it's probably him and Tim Tebow running neck and neck for that crown. Tony Dungy's character is being assassinated Meanwhile, death row media and all these young former athletes that all want to be gangsters and all want to provoke fights and are spitting in people's faces and threatening NBA players and, and uh, Steven Jackson's visiting O Block in Chicago and checking in with gangbangers. And so I, I just want to play the, this series of videos to tell you why I'm comparing them to death row records and Tupac Shakur and Suge Knight and all that madness from the 90s and 2000s that ended up leading to the death of Tupac, the death of Biggie uh, Smalls. Uh, two, uh, Suge Knight ended up incarcerated. So I, I just wanna compare, we'll start with Matt Barnes yesterday. L let's, let's show the video or over the weekend, him spitting at someone who I think was connected to either his ex-wife or, or I, I can't figure out whose fiance or whatever it is, but Matt Barnes spit in this guy's face. This reminds me, if you ever remember the video, of Tupac Shakur spitting at reporters as he drove off in a car. It's a very famous scene. Let's see if we can cut to the Tupac Shakur comparing that to Matt Barnes. And this is where we're at in sports media. We've got Matt Barnes spitting at a guy. Now, if we can cut to the video of Tupac Shakur spitting, that, that's him walking, I think, out of, I, I can't remember where he's walking out of, but he's going off on the media and eventually he, he gets in a car, I think, and starts spitting at the media. And, and this is why I call it death row media. This is why, because these guys want to be Tupac Shakur. They want to be Suge Knight. They want to be thug life forever. And it seems to be working in the mainstream sports media. These guys seem to be preferred over a guy like Tony Dungy, 
who, again, one of the highest character individuals I've ever met and ever seen in sports, he, his job in jeopardy or pressure on uh, NBC to disassociate themselves from Tony Dungy. Meanwhile, these guys are celebrated. We've, we remember just last week, let's show Shannon Sharp, courtside, beefing with Memphis Grizzlies players, telling them, you know, telling, uh, I think, Dylan Brooks to come over here and let's go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and security having to escort Shannon Sharp off the court. This is, and we talked about it last week, this is the melding of hip-hop culture with sports culture. And we now have these hip-hop broadcasters. Shannon Sharp routinely goes on air in a do-rag, pretending to drink Hennessy, pretending to smoke a blunt. Shannon Sharp has positioned himself as the ultimate hip-hop broadcaster, calls himself Uncle Shay Shay. You know, has a nickname and everything, just like a, a rapper. Everybody calls him Unk or Shay Shay. This is all, this is the melding of sports and hip hop and that gangster culture. I want to show you uh, Steven Jackson beefing at a boxing match. And then right behind that, play the clip of him and play the sound of, on both of these, him yelling and screaming at somebody at a boxing deal, defending his wife, and then play the sound of him visiting one of the most notorious gang territories in Chicago called Old Block, and he's bragging about checking in with gangsters. Let's play those clips. Taking pictures. Where we at? Tell them how they coming. We're in the middle of it. Oh. Man, y'all pull up and take pictures and y'all not allowed to. <laughs> and one thing about it, if you're a real one, you don't mind checking in. Checking in. What you say? I check it, I check in with the real one. That's why I'm in that's why I'm in the middle of old block. Where you at? You see the hoop? Where you at? I'm in the middle of old block. Listen, man. Shit, you can't pay for. No rap cap. Shit, you can't pay for. Me, we really out here. Old block, Shot Town. Rest in peace, King Bond. We in the middle of Old Block, ain't we? Quit playing, man. I'm everywhere. You never there. That's Steven Jackson shouting out King Von, notorious gang member, rapper, uh, who's been killed, rest in peace, bragging about being on O Block. Steven Jackson's in his 40s. He's checking in with gang members in Chicago, in basically the killing fields of Chicago. This is where young men, black men, are slaughtered on a daily basis. And again, I have sympathy for 
guys that grow up in those neighborhoods and communities and they have a story to tell and I don't want to demonize, but I'm not sure if checking in and basically uh, a grown man checking in, not there to uplift, not there to um, point them a different direction. He's checking in as if he is bowing to them rather than him trying to point them a different direction. This is where we are in sports media. Th this is where we are. And again, Steven Jackson, O'Block, Shannon Sharp, Courtside, Matt Barnes spitting on someone. You guys remember Matt Barnes driving 95 miles to go beat up Derek Fisher. These are the guys landing major jobs in sports media. This, it all reminds me, you guys remember the scene before Tupac got killed, there was the scene, let's play that clip, of Tupac and, and uh, Suge Knight beating up the guy in the lobby of the MGM hotel. We, we, I think we had, yeah, this is, yeah, this is them kicking and stomping the guy in the lobby of the MGM hotel uh, before a Mike Tyson fight, either before or right after a Mike Tyson fight. This is this type of stuff. This is where we're at in sports media. And, and I say that, and here's the, the final one. If you we talked a lot about this, about the events in Dallas where Aqib Tlaib, superstar NFL player, goes right into the broadcasting game, broadcasting NFL games for Fox Sports, and then gets a plus job at Amazon. His reputation when he was playing, he was a SHIT stirrer, always causing conflict on the field, constantly in people's face, carrying himself throughout his entire career like he was a gang member and he was about that life. Soon as his career is over, he's in broadcasting now. He provokes a fight. We had the, the coaches on, uh, there were uh, coaching in that game, people, eyewitnesses, Aqib Tlaib sparked a confrontation that led his brother to pull out a gun and shoot and kill 43-year-old Mike Hickman. I think we have the clip from that shooting and killing provoked, according to the witnesses, by an NFL broadcaster, a member of Death Row Media. Let's play that clip. Handshake as that game comes to an end. Ladies and gentlemen, uh-oh, my dude got a stick. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Jesus! Jesus! We've let that element take over the sports media. This is insanity. But is it really insanity? because it's been endorsed by the sports leagues, particularly the most powerful sports league in all of sports, the NFL. Think this through, and we talked about this yesterday, but I wanna hammer this point home. The NFL and their Inspire Change, Inspire Change movement, and all of this focus on criminal justice reform, and you have all of these athletes in the NFL and the NBA, their entire focus seems to be, 
What can we do? What can we do in our power to spring a career criminal out of jail? What, how can we change the laws to get quote unquote nonviolent criminals out of prison? That's this whole inspire, inspire change initiative that NFL owners are paying for at the behest of NFL players. They've spent a hundred million dollars on inspire change and the whole mission or the primary mission, all that they brag about criminal justice reform. We're getting prisoners out. We got to save Meek Mill. We got to everything is about how can I help the center? Not how can I celebrate the guy that's trying to be a saint. Everything is directed at death row media and Tone Loke and Tony Dungy all get taken a dump on and or ignored. Let's play the, I think we got an excerpt from one of the Inspire Change commercials from the NFL so you can see where athletes have pointed their focus and what's most important to them, getting criminals out of jail. I have a brother who is um, incarcerated now, and uh, I have also a brother that is a corrections officer. And from seeing both sides of the fence and what inmates and people that go through the system go through, it's a struggle. A lot of guys that are in there, they're not all perfect. There's good guys and there's bad guys, but it can be a second for somebody to take another look at somebody's file, just to double check and make sure that everything is correct and get their cases revisited where they can take the first step to getting released. For Dion Dawkins, the need for criminal justice reform is urgent and long overdue. And as one of the pillars of the NFL's Inspire Change program, the league has also fully committed to this reform. As a part of that commitment, the NFL is supporting groups like Montgomery-based Alabama Appleseed, whose mission is to right the wrongs of a faulty state legislature that has held thousands of men incarcerated for nonviolent crimes, and wherever possible, help those men reclaim their freedom. I want to be crystal clear. I have spoken at prisons. I'm not unsympathetic to the cause of the incarcerated. I've spoken at Leavenworth prison when I worked at the Kansas City Star several times. I'm not unsympathetic to the cause of prisoners. I put money on people's books. I've tried to give people opportunities that have shady backgrounds. Friends of mine have shady backgrounds and criminal records. I've tried to be an asset to them. I'm not talking about turning my back on people that are in prison. But the focus, we got little kids out here that haven't committed any crimes that need focus directed at them. And I'm primarily talking about black boys that aren't in prison. We need to inspire change in them. That needs to be our primary focus. That's why, and again, I'm not talking about something I haven't been involved with. 
When I was in Kansas City for 16 years, I spent a big chunk of those years as the spokesman for Big Brothers Big Sisters because it was all about helping kids, little girls and little boys who needed a big brother or big sister to stand in the gap and fill in where their parents or someone in their family couldn't do the job, hadn't done the job or whatever. That's where the focus should be. The Bible instructs us to focus our attention and our charity and our help on orphans and widows. It's not about getting Harry O out of prison. And if you don't know who Harry O is, look him up. Big started death row records, financed death row records. Donald Trump sprung him from prison right before he left office. And Snoop Dogg and everybody celebrated it. I don't know Harry O. Maybe he deserved to be sprung from prison. But there's a long line of young people <laughs> that are more worthy of sympathy and effort and directing them in a proper way than Harry O. Everybody's afraid of death row media. Everybody's afraid of these gangsters. And the reason why is because they don't know God. There's risk in criticizing these guys. There's risk in it. Because some of them are legitimately, Aqib Tlaib is legitimately dangerous. Stephen Jackson, he done pulled guns at strip clubs in Indianapolis. He's legitimately about that life. That's why he's checking in on O-Block. There's risk to calling out this BS. But real men will take that risk because they're not going to allow the culture to become this corrupt that the whole system, everything, the blackest thing you can do right now is help spring a criminal from prison. There's more focus on that than and again, where the focus should be if, if, if they were directed properly. And again, I've said, and I'll say it again, I think like Steven Jackson, I know him. I, I like him. And I know he's dangerous. But I also think he's somewhat well-intentioned. But he's not smart enough to lead people in a proper direction. If you're really concerned about guys in prison, the best thing we could do is try to help their kids who are not in prison. Focus on that NFL inspired change. Put some incentives in place. Partner with some prisons or some correctional facilities and say, you know what? Give me some of your inmates that have kids and let's put some incentives in here for if, if the inmates have proper behavior, they can earn rewards, gifts, and support for their kids who are on the outside. 
So let's take inmate 9765432 whatever his name is. He got three kids uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. He's been a problem. He gets his behavior together. Oh, the NFL will step in if the prison and says that oh, his behavior's been good. We'll provide his kids school clothes. We'll provide his kids Christmas gifts. We'll provide his kids uh, uh, birthday gifts. We'll give his father a way to contribute to his or her development while in prison. Do that rather than how can I get these criminals out of prison? How can I get, how can I cape up for Meek Mill because he's not smart enough not to violate his probation? Let's do some smart things, effective things, things that are in alignment with God rather than we're all Johnny Cochran and we all want to get O.J. Simpson out of prison. There's a better approach, but no one's looking for a better approach because we keep empowering idiots and we keep giving idiots microphones and platforms and calling them leaders. They've run journalists out of the business in favor of criminal athletes with no impulse or emotional control. It's obvious to everyone. At some point, this is going to spin out of, uh, out of control in a very dangerous and potentially deadly way. We saw it in rap music. All the signs are there. It's happening in sports media. When you spit in another man's face, Trust me, you may get away with it in that moment, but that man goes home and sits with that and starts thinking about how can I get some payback? And that's how wicked thoughts start creeping into people's head and they start thinking about, oh, I may have to shoot this person. And that, look, Matt Barnes has filed a restraining order and come up with some excuse that the guy was terrorizing him and that's why I spit on him. That all sounds like BS to me. I don't buy Matt Barnes. W when has Matt Barnes ever needed a le legitimate excuse to disrespect somebody? He's never had. Why now? This sounds like something he put out because he knows the, the film looks so bad, the tape looks so bad, it could cost him his job. And so let me go file a restraining order and say he started all this. And let me tell Showtime and everybody, don't suspend me, don't fire me. I was just reacting because he's been terrorizing me. So I spit in his face. There's nothing lower you can do to another man than spit in his face. This is the kind of disrespect, and keep in mind, uh, Becky with the good hair here, Matt Barnes, light-skinned Matt Barnes, oh, he's super pro-black. He's down for black people, but he has no problem spitting in a black man's face. None. Out in front of everybody. These aren't the leaders. This is a joke. I, I want to bring Steve Kim into this conversation. Uh, Steve, uh, welcome back to the show. And, and, and I, I want to ask you in all seriousness, I, I think these kinds of this kind of conflict could turn deadly at some point. It's not just going to be arguments courtside. At some point, 
someone's going to get hurt. I, I said this about Shannon Sharp and the thing at the Lakers game. If a fan had reacted to the energy that Shannon Sharp had put into that building in that situation and threw something at a player, we could have had the Malice 2.0 and it could have gone anywhere. One of these incidents, if we keep going down this path, is going to turn deadly, in my opinion. Uh, where have you gone, Irv Cross? Where have you gone, Ahmad Rashad? Um, this is the question I'd have for Matt Barnes. Uh, let's say we believe his story that he was being harassed and that he was not the instigator. Uh, certainly, I have a lot of empathy for anyone that has to go through that situation. But the question I would have for anyone in that circumstance, the spitting on somebody in a public setting make that particular situation in that relationship, if you want to call it that, better or worse? I mean, was he better off just walking away or being the spit man? And that, that's the thing that gets me. And I think this is what they want to amplify, though. Because, you know, I say these words in jest in terms of where have you gone, Ahmad Rashad and Irv Cross. But let's go back to when we grew up in a, in a much different time, Jason. All athletes, when they were given that role, there was a certain expectation that you leave certain things behind. You are now representing the network. And there's a word here that is no longer used, decorum. You're going to conduct yourself in a certain way, in a professional, friendly manner, and you're always representing your employer, in this case, a major network. And, but again, here's the, here's the thing, though, Jason, and we've talked about this in private. Maybe, just maybe, that's what they want to amplify. I'm not saying they're necessarily encouraging it, but they know who they're getting into bed with, and maybe they're not doing enough to discourage it. Let me let me draw this parallel. Like I brought up the Cosby show the last couple of weeks. I've been watching a lot of those reruns for some reason. I don't think that the networks today want to actually showcase a sitcom or any program that would put a nuclear black family in that positive a light. I'm just telling you, I think it would be not woke enough. It would be talking about the family structure, the nuclear family, that they themselves, the Huxables, are a representation of white supremacy working for just certain people. But they want to actually amplify and give a stage to other more degenerate forms of lifestyle. I think this is all tied in. Like 30, 40 years ago, you could have a Cosby show and you could have an Irv Cross or an Ahmad Rashad Nowadays, look at what you're getting. This is the standard. The athletes, though, I'm not making an excuse for the networks because the networks and the executives should be smarter. But all the athletes have been playing the race card on ownership and the media networks and basically telling them, no, the greatest thing we should be doing <laughs> is giving second, third, and fourth, and fifth opportunities well to career criminals. We're gonna shut down the NBA over Jacob Blake. We're going to riot, loot, and do everything over George Floyd. And so, the I'm not making an excuse for the executives. They need to be smarter, bolder, need to hire the right executives that can help them navigate this. But the executives, particularly the white ones, feel like they're hearing from the athletes and from the cowardly uh, executives or female executives they've surrounded themselves with that 
look, the greatest thing you can do is be a friend to a criminal. Give a criminal an opportunity. We're not giving criminals a good enough second or third chance. Yeah, Aqib Tlaib's been a knucklehead, but if we hire him, it'll be a message to other criminals that, hey, you can get a second and third chance here in America. Rather than rewarding the guys that did everything right, it seems like everybody's been told, no, you have to reward the, uh, the guys that have done things wrong as a message to everyone else that, hey, I'm not racist and I don't discriminate against guys that are tatted from head to toe and look like they just stepped out of prison. I'm one of the good guys. Well, Jason, look, it's easy to want to give second, third, and 18th chances when you live in a gated community, okay, surrounded by glacier gliders. That's the reality. Everyone else has to deal with that problem. And on that note, let me just say this. You know what the solution is? It is not criminal justice reform. The only thing that's going to work at this point, it's going to be harsh, but I'm going to say it, is refund the police, bigger jails, and harsher sentences. That's the only solution. I think some of these people are beyond rehabilitation. It doesn't work. None of these programs like Midnight Basketball have ever been effective. Now, going back to our original subject, as I run for DA. Vote for Steve Kim. I'll clean up your neighborhood. But anyway, here's the irony about a lot of these announcers that use that race, racial uh, subject, or for lack of a better term, the race card. How they talked about we're stereotyped, it's unfair, the way we treated, the way people look at us. But their own behavior, well, enforces certain stereotypes. I mean, just think about it. And I'm not judging Steven Jackson or Barnes or anybody, but be honest, when middle America looks at those videos or the overall scope of their actions, which have all been publicly detailed, okay, what do you think they're going to think of certain people? I mean, number Steve one, if they, want the, if they want the perception of their people to change, they themselves have, they have to be the change number one, first and foremost. Steve, I, I want to buttress your point by saying it, it's not just these incidents that paint them in a bad light, but when you go to Showtime and say, hey, we're going to do a show all the smoke about me and uh, Matt sitting, me, Steve, and Matt sitting here getting high and having a conversation and everybody in the background and in your Tupac images, the Tupac, Nipsey Hussle, all whatever gangbanger, career, rap criminal, you know, uh, again, because we've turned, Tupac is ne nearly Jesus. The man went to prison for sexual assault. You can debate whether it was right or wrong, but he went to prison for sexual assault. He had thug life tatted across his stomach. He, 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 the guy had every opportunity to go a different direction and wanted to be, I've talked to legitimate LA gang members and it's like, Tupac wanted to be a gang member more than we did. And, and so that's the image that you're promoting with your show and you think no one has a right to j draw a negative conclusion? Yeah. Shannon Sharp goes on a show, do rag, Uncle Shay Shay, I'm sipping Hennessy, I'm smoking a blunt, playing this role every day, playing this role, Uncle Shay Shay, I'm as hood, I'm as ghetto as they come. Aqib Tlaib, the way he dressed, like Magic Don Juan, 
and I'm talking about while broadcasting games, he, he's dressing like a pimp. It, it, it's that th- they're promoting a gangster image. They're promoting a stereotype and then want to say, don't stereotype yeah. us. Right. It's crazy. Be the change that you espouse. Okay. And, and if you want to talk about cultural change and all that, and we have to be better. Um, that's something that always bothered me about a lot of these athletes a couple of years ago, wagging the finger at all of America. And I figured, and I just asked myself a very cold, calculating, insensitive question. All right. Well, how many baby mamas do you have? Are you helping out the situation within your own community, in your own family? And But I think Showtime loves this. This is what they want. If you go over the head down, Steven Espinosa, head of uh, Showtime Sports, guy that I know, he loves this stuff. He loves being part of that whole culture and being invited to the barbecue. They play into it and they amplify it. I actually think in their own demented way, think, wow, this really helps the street cred because street cred is very important, right? So they probably love it in their own way. They might act outraged. Not sure that they truly are. Steve, I want to correct or add one thing to what you said, because not that I disagree with, you know, we need harsher penalties for crime. But, But more than that, Steve, we need uh, a system of government that rewards and baits people to start and maintain families. Yes, we have a system that rewards people to go their separate ways, have you know baby mamas and baby daddies, and and we'll supplement. Oh, you don't need a father. You don't need a marriage. You don't need a family. We'll send you a government check. That's at the root of all of this chaos. Jason, I could not agree more Um, because my solution, I understand, is just a very harsh mandate. But to get to the belly of the beast, to actually root out the problem, if you look at the statistics, and they're all out there, when you look at children who grow up in two-parent traditional nuclear families to those who only have one parent, specifically a female, with no dominant male figure or father in their lives, fathers matter beyond anything. So there's no disagreement there, Jason, on your point. Let me, we'll end on this note. I wanna ask you something. This came up yesterday. You're the perfect person to, to talk about this aspect of it. Tony Dungy mm-hmm. getting assassinated mm-hmm. by the media. Yesterday, Delano and I talked about Anscape, a.k.a. the undefeated. You got Bill Roden, you got Jason Reed, you got Jesse Washington, you, you got a bunch of black sports writers that I said 15 years ago would, would, would have died for Tony Dungy and his reputation. Tony Dungy gets assassinated over the last week in all these newspaper articles and over social media and, and, and Anscape, the, the, the intersection of sports and culture and race, mm-hmm. it's owned by ESPN. No one's written a word defending Tony Dungy. Not a single word. <laughs> that, <laughs> what, what, what website are you? Because what, what, I, I went and looked again this morning. I was like, oh, they got words about Meek Mill. <laughs> they got words talking about, oh, his, how about how his probation uh, violation is, what's wrong with the criminal justice system, and he popped a wheelie, and he doesn't belong in prison. They, they, they're going to cape up for Meek Mill, 
but nothing about <laughs> the only black coach in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the guy that spawned Tony Dungy, Herm Edwards, I mean, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin, Herm Edwards, uh, who am I, Todd Bowles, I think, who, who uh, just all these guys. Not, not a word defending Tony Dungy. It blows my mind. Well, this reminds me, um, remember we were talking about that female or transgender swimmer at that school, Marcia Spitz or whatever her name was, and then ESPNW, a whole website, a subdivision of ESPN that talks about women's sports, never actually touched that issue, which I, what I thought was completely ironic in a lot of different ways, but that's what it's become. And I'll draw this parallel again. Tony Dungy is thought of as a Huxtable, a Huxtable with the wrong politics and cultural beliefs. There may actually be a few writers on that website that want to speak up for Tony Dungy, but either they are not allowed to, have been discouraged, or just they're flat out afraid because they understand if they do that and they have enough guts to put their name on the byline and say, oh, wait a minute, uh, let Tony Dungy be. He's a good man. They would get ostracized. They might get social media pressure. And the higher-ups at that corporation may not pass off on it. And then they're looking out for their own self-preservation. Again, there's a term called approved messaging. Defending a man who was not on that side of the cultural spectrum is not allowed to be defended. That's the reality of corporate legacy media as we see it. I, I I think of Bill Roden, who loves to pretend like he's the Malcolm X of sports writers. Silent. All mm-hmm. because he's afraid of the alphabet mafia. Right. You can't be the Malcolm X of sports writing if you're afraid of the alphabet mafia. Yeah. If, if you can't, I, I, it, it blows my mind. It blows my Steve, thank you so much. I went long, so there was some other stuff I wanted to get to. There were, we'll get to Ed Reed tomorrow. Uh, I know you want to talk about your man, Ed Reed. I want to talk about Ed Reed. We'll, we'll get to him tomorrow. Uh, thank, thank you so much, Steve. Great job as always. Listen, th- this whole conversation we're having is why you have to come to the roll call event in Nashville Saturday, April 15th. You got to be here because the whole point of Roll Call is trying to inspire men, people, to stand up and don't be afraid of your biblical worldview. Don't be a coward. We want you to know that you're not alone. You're not wrong for having a biblical worldview. And that's whether you're black, white, whatever, green, yellow, whatever. You're not wrong. And we want you here with us so that we can inspire you to go back to your communities and live out that truth. You're a Christian. Be proud of your worldview. Don't be ashamed to express your worldview. Don't be afraid to support a fellow saint. A saint is not a perfect person. It's someone who is trying to allow Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. 
And he, just like we talked about yesterday on the show on Tennessee Harmony, it's not about calling on God when you need to be saved. It's about allowing him to be your Lord and allowing him to dictate, guide you, inspire you to live out those values that he has described as best for you. Tony Dungy does that. That's why I'm compelled to defend him and I'll take any of those arrows that are shot my way. I could care less if everybody hates me. People that I'm talking about, when I start talking about uh, Bill Roden and Jason Reed and Jesse Washington, these are guys that I knew. These are guys that I once considered friends. It's not, I don't feel great comfort in calling these guys out and pointing out their cowardice and them selling out. But I have to do it. Because when I see someone like Tony Dungy and, and, and we should be rallying around him and, and I'm looking at guys that at a different time when there were no consequences to rallying around Tony Dungy, they would love to rally around Tony Dungy. Now that there are consequences, they've fallen silent. They need to be at roll call. They need to be inspired. You need to be at roll call. You need to be, I need it. We all need it. We all need a reminder that we're not in this alone and there's some things as men we must do if we want to push this country a better direction. Go to Fearless Army, rollcall.com. Come join us here in Nashville. Send me an email when you do, letting me know that you've signed up. Bring your friends, bring your son, bring, bring your daughters. I don't care who you bring, just come. All right, stay tuned, uh, TJ Moe. Atheists, the secular world, the culture uses our imperfection, our sins to take, shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men. We know you're imperfect. You know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy, mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture. We, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? and you're gonna turn around and let them chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl, and you're gonna let him make the Bible hate speech, you're the last line of defense here because nobody else is gonna do it, and God's gonna walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you, so it's like everybody, it's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms, and there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder and every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no 
we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough. In prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, he's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ. I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone, be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to roll out to St. Louis, bring in TJ Moe. TJ, I want to start the continuation of the conversation with this scripture, uh, James 1, verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. This is James giving us instruction to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You and I, you know, talked this morning and, you know, we were having a conversation about what, what the Bible, what does it instruct us to do as it relates to charity and where our focus should be in terms of giving. I explained to you that my philosophy, the Whitlock philosophy, that's not particularly biblically sound, but it was, it's been the Whitlock philosophy. I care about young people and old people. I, I, I will be, break my back helping young people, and that's pretty much people under the age of 25 and people over the age of 65. Everybody else, I might help you out a little, but I really ain't all that concerned. Fend for yourself. And that, that's been my philosophy. Today, because of the thinking, I've, you know, I went to the Bible and called you and, and, and talked to Delano this morning. Couldn't get Virgil on the phone. But anyway, your thoughts on what the Bible says uh, about what our focus should be in comparison to professional athletes who, who seem to be pouring a lot of energy into protecting and supporting criminals. Yeah, the Bible, you, the, the verse that you brought up, James 1, 27, um, the, the NIV uses the words uh, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Okay, and so that's the, the general, it's not just look after as opposed to 
Um, I, th- I think the translation you used said, visit, look after me, they're your responsibility. Now it is your obligation when you see orphans and widows because there's not a man involved, right? It's like they don't, to your philosophy, if there's, if there's a man involved, God gave men the ability to get up and do some things. When there's an orphan or a widow involved, it is likely you may need to go help them. Something happened in their life. Orphans, of course, God talks uh, at, at length about causing young children who believe in him to stumble to be better for you to be put a millstone around your neck and be cast into the sea. That's how much God values his little children, and that's why you should be helping them. Um, the, the Bible is very clear about that, right? And, and the Bible is very clear, too. You know, we, we have our criminal justice system, but God tells us that, hey, if your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. You'd be better to not have hands than you would be to be spending eternity in hell. If your eye causes you to sin and you're lusting, poke your eye out. This is all biblical. And so as, as we look at all of this through Scripture, there's a, there's a few Scriptures. You, you mentioned you didn't talk to Virgil. I did, actually, and some of these uh, were given by him. Isaiah 520, this is the prophet Isaiah warning Israel. And, and, and you know, the Bible is full of prophets, and each time they're talking to Israel and giving Israel warning. Every time Israel strays from God, a prophet comes out and says, you're straying from God, we're about to have some big problems, here's which. Here's what needs to be done. And so this is Isaiah warning Israel um, about, about their strength. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Paul echoes this in Romans 1, right? And so the idea that, that they're talking about here is, you know, we're all, the, the idea that man is inherently good. You know, people like, love to say this after DeMar Hamlin had his thing. See how good people are and people are generous. People are not good. People are very clearly not good. You can be redeemed through Jesus. And so this is why I, I say this without uh, unabashedly here, that I trust Christians far more than I do anyone else. And because, because if you believe that humans are not inherently good and that they will end up straying from what is good and create their own idea of what is good, but Paul says, he puts it this way, professing to be wise, they became fools. That is the identity of man without God. And so for us, you know, you look through these verses and uh, Paul talks about in, in 2 Timothy 4. So for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine anymore. Instead, they will suit their own desires and they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So that's what this is. What you're talking about is we very clearly know what's right and wrong. We have now put the people around us that we that will teach the things that we want to hear. Do you know in St. Louis, where I live, there's a group of religious leaders who just last week filed a lawsuit in favor of getting abortion legalized in Missouri. In Missouri, it, it, we were the first state to to make abortion illegal. Uh, once Roe was overturned, our Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who's now our United States Senator, he put it was his job. He put it into law. There are no abortions happening in Missouri, and there's a group of religious leaders suing in favor of legalizing it. And so th- this is the reprobate mind. These are not Christians. These th- th- these these are not people living the way the Bible tells us to live, doing the things that God tells us is right and wrong. So everything we're seeing and what you're talking about, people who are so obsessed with with 
creating the criminal justice system and, and recreating it and, and worrying about all the wrong people. They've been given over to reprobate minds. These are, these are not people that are following after Jesus. And the ones who are pretending to are misleading the herd. And that's, this is what Paul's talking about in Timothy. These are people that are surrounding themselves with teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And so professing ourselves to be wise, America is becoming full of fools. It's, it's, everything seems so backwards in terms of this NFL inspired change and what all pro athletes seem to, they, they talk the NFL owners into giving them a hundred million dollars and, and, you know, they're bragging about all the criminal justice reform. And, and I think about the NBA players that, that shut down the NBA bubble season over Jacob Blake and all the people that have over George Floyd. And it's not that I'm unsympathetic to George Floyd, but uh, hey man, Tamar, Tamar Rice would have been a better candidate. At least he's a child. Mm-hmm. George Floyd was in his 40s and had a nice criminal history. I'm just not, I'm not going to the wall. That's not the hill I'm dying on, but that's what we've done and everybody's out working desperately to, to oh, we got to just get criminals out of jail. And, and oh, they're all nonviolent and they all got, and, 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 and I get it, I, I get it, but, but we should be working on behalf of those men's children. Let's try to save them. You have a much better chance of having an impact on a child than some adult who's made a series of mistakes and, and redirecting them and freeing them. And how's that going to improve society? I'm not sure. Working with children, I saw it with my own eyes with big brothers, big sisters. There were some failures, but there was some success. I saw it with my own eyes in working with that organization. You can help young people and children, you can stand in a gap for them. The word orphans, because when your dad's in prison, I'm sorry, you've been orphaned in my mm-hmm. view. And, 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 and when your mom's strung out on drugs, you've been orphaned. And, and so there's these kids out here that because of the breakup of family and because of our lack of uh, focus on family, we got a lot of orphaned kids out here. And because of murder rates and, and incarceration rates, you got a lot of widows out here. Mm-hmm. The, the, their husbands may not be dead, but they're locked up or they're just an unmarried widow that doesn't even know she's a widow or whatever. Yeah. They need help and direction and guidance, and there's no focus on that. We're spending all of our energy and time, Kim Kardashian running to the White <laughs> House every chance she can get to get somebody off death row. I, I, I love her passion. I, I really do, because it, it seems authentic. And at least she's got something she's passionate about that isn't about her. But she's misguided. <laughs> she could be turning all that, run to the White House on behalf of children of men's, <laughs> of, of fathers who are on death row. Hey, we got a bunch of death row fathers. They got kids. Let's focus on them rather than, 
hey, let's stop this dude from getting the needle or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I, I so I, it just I look at pro athletes and and just I know social media is a big influencer of them and 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 the church has clearly failed them and and because many of these athletes do profess a faith in God, but, but it's like no one's told them how to execute that faith. They just haven't been discipled, and maybe the money makes them think they don't need anybody to disciple them, but they clearly do. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I've been on, the, I, this was my point with the vaccines. Um, for a long time, people have discovered that professional athletes are the perfect target if you're trying to get a message through. Because if there's something going on in the culture that's popular, then you're going to a group of people who are fully immersed in their sport, who don't spend a lot of time thinking about anything else. There's a few guys, but the vast majority of those guys are just holding on for dear life because it's the biggest paycheck they will ever get. So you're not spending a ton of time thinking about philosophy. You're probably not spending a lot of time, I certainly didn't, reading your Bible, you're studying your playbook. Your playbook, when you're holding on for dear life, is your Bible in that profession. And so you're not spending all sorts of time thinking about right and wrong. This is also a group of very young people. You know, when I was 22, I'm I'm 32 now. When I was 22, I thought I spent time thinking about things. I was fully convinced about certain things. And I look back now and I'm like, I thought I was thoughtful. And now I know I was an idiot. And I I can't imagine what I'm going to think when I'm 42 about all the things. I spend a lot of time thinking now, but I'm like, every year that goes by, I think the year before I was an idiot. So it's a group of very young people that I think you can take advantage of um, just because of their age. 75 plus percent of this league is expendable any given year. They may not be here next year. We got a group of stars. Um, And so those guys will never step out of line. Whatever the narrative is, just don't rock the boat. And you got the top guys who are making tons of money who don't want to rock the boat because they don't want to put in jeopardy their tons and tons of money. So I I think there are a few things in play the, the, the one other thing, this is actually a, a John Hadley suggestion that I think may be right as, as you sort through it. The, the NFL is... Hold, 70- hold for a second. You just confused me. Hold on. You, you said John Hadley had a good suggestion. Did I hear you clearly? Uh, I begrudgingly admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. You, you confused me. I don't want to confuse the audience. Uh, so <laughs> stay, a record is about to be set. We're about to make history here. John Hadley has a good idea. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah, yeah. So he brought this up, um, and I will expand on his idea and, and hopefully make it something that uh, isn't quite as annoying. Seventy um, percent of the NFL is black men, right? We're, we're aware of this, and so just like Steve Kim just talked about, the the lowest paid person in the NFL, lowest paid player in the NFL, is making seven hundred thousand dollars. So you're not living in the projects. You're not living where at one time you used to live perhaps around some of some criminals and things. And so this is, this is a way to keep your street cred. People say, you've turned your back on us. You, you're no longer down with us. And he's saying, no, you keep your street, you come back and you still fight for us in some way or another. And this is, we talked about this a little bit differently, it was politically, but for whatever reason, it's the only race that polices the thought of its own people. Like nobody has ever said to me that 
TJ, you're not wide enough, right? In fact, the only context I've ever heard anybody else tell someone they were white is on a dance floor. When somebody has no rhythm, they say, you're, you're pretty white. You're a little too white. That's the only kind of, no, nobody walks around policing and says, you're not about helping white people and you're not down with the cause and you're not, it's just, it, it doesn't happen in, in the white race. But for whatever reason, that happens in a league that's 70% black and so it's their way of keeping some credibility, saying, I'm still fighting for our cause. I haven't left. I know I live in a mansion today and I know I'm way over here, but I'm still fighting for criminal justice reform. I have not forgotten about you. That. Uh, and, and so what I would like to do is get in front of those guys. And this is where if if DeMora Smith and the NFLPA, if they had a brain and a sincere concern, I'd say, hey, guys. We can help prisoners by helping their kids. Mm -hmm. Having known guys locked up and incarcerated, they have kids. Let's help their kids. That's the best we can do for them. Getting in the weeds about their guilt or innocence, we'll never know. That can't be figured out. I've tried to explain to people over and over and over, there's nothing sloppier and more complicated and confusing than the criminal justice system. And to see a group of football players think, yeah, we got it all figured out and our handlers, know, we know exactly how to make the criminal justice system work. No, you don't. No, no one does. I, I, I've, I've pointed out the examples like, what, Joe Biden is our 46th president, I think. Yep. And we've had more than 100 attorney generals. And that's an indication because the president appoints the attorney general. That's an indication that like, this criminal justice thing is so sloppy, these guys get fired. These guys get removed. These guys get replaced constantly because this is, this is harder than being president. And, and, and to think that athlete, oh, we got the criminal justice thing figured out. Uh, you know, we, we know exactly what they should do. My cousin's in jail and, he, you know, he, he, he's in jail for parole violations and he's nonviolent. He's, you know, and I, I got relatives that have been in and out. They all got a story. Most of them begin with they didn't have a daddy or a strong male figure in their life when they're kids. If you want to fix it, start there with their kids. He can't be a good daddy while locked up. He can't. You give him. I had that suggestion earlier in the show about you incentivize the prisoner, do good behavior, and the NFL Players Association will reward your child. School clothes, birthday gifts in your name, Christmas gifts in your name. It's an inspiration for the man in prison. He gets to feel like he's contributing to his son or daughter. And it's help for the kids. That's the best they could do. That's the kind of advice NFL players, NBA players should be getting. Instead, they're worried about and they're saying, hey, we got Harry O out of jail. And you, you don't know who Harry O is, but people in the rap world know who Harry O, world, or Harry o is. People in the gang world know who Harry O is. And but maybe one day it'll get me clipped for even talking about Harry O. But like I said, I'm good with God. I'm, I'm good. I'll take the risk. I get why these other people are cowards. They don't want to take any risk. They want to take safe positions. But I, I, I'm embarrassed by the sports media and the, the, the rewarding these guys, and, and I'll ask you the same question. We'll end here. I'll ask you the same question, <clears throat> I, and I know you're not an expert on this, but 
When I look at what Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson, Aqib Tlaib, and, and Shannon Sharp, and it's already turned deadly violent in the Aqib Tlaib situation, mm-hmm. where, where his brother shot and killed someone. But one of these sports media gangster guys is going to get hurt and or is going to get someone close to them hurt. I'll I'll give this example of, and I said this at the time, I was like, Shannon Sharp has stirred up so much racial animus around Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless has to be petrified. Mm -hmm. He has to be petrified. There are idiots who thinks Skip Bayless is some sort of racist because of some tweet about DeMar Hamlin, and Skip Bayless is not racist, but but they've been convinced that he is. He criticized LeBron James, and he had a tweet about DeMar Hamlin. Some Skip Bayless in L.A., in L.A., where he has to live and operate, somebody could walk up on him and try to do something to him, thinking they're doing something for the black cause. Mm-hmm. This thing is a powder keg of of employing and empowering people that want to be rap gangsters this this thing is going to spin further out of control yeah the bible says bad company corrupts good morals and so if i were skip i would run for the hills um I'm not saying Shannon doesn't have a, a complaint either with doing the show with Skip. They're, they're not exactly a match made in heaven. But for any of these guys, if you were asked to do a show, you need to run. Because something bad is going to happen, and that's what's going to cause the realignment of sports media at some point. You're going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. we need, we got to reevaluate. Somebody just got shot in our parking lot, right? Somebody – and this was done by this person who – you get into some we know the Aaron Hernandez story. You get the wrong people in the wrong place. You spill spill a drink on somebody's shoe and, and that's worth killing them over. Right. There, you you go down that road. There's real trouble. I just you know, I love your point about the kids. Um, I would make the argument that there are not enough people in prison. I actually agree with Steve Kim. I don't think there are too many. I think there are not enough. Half of all murders right now in the United States are going unsolved. And so part of that is that we have really, really crappy, um, particularly in blue states or blue cities, like in St. Louis, Kim Garner, a prosecuting attorney for the county, isn't showing up to murder trials. So they're walking free. And so the state now is trying to take over and say, well, what, what are you doing? This is crazy. And so you get the, you get the George Soros funded types who just let people walk free. So they're not in prison. And then you know, we can't, it, it's just hard to catch people in the act sometimes in general. I think, you know, everybody's always like, well, we have more people in prison per capita than the rest of the world. And I'm like, I don't care about the rest of the world. I have no interest in ca- comparing ourselves to Sweden. We have our own sets of problems and we need to take care of our problems. Should we just not put somebody in jail for murder just because we're in America and we're trying to create equity with France? That's ridiculous. And so I, I think there are not enough people in prison. I also think this, um, Every last child that we could be taken care of is innocent, and the vast majority of these prisoners are not. There may be a few, but I'm, it, it's not worth sorting through every single one of them to find the one out of 500 or one out of 10,000 that are innocent when every last one of these kids are innocent and they need our help. Well, I'll end, and thank you, TJ. I'll end on this note of of. I wouldn't call it clarification, but my thought on it is like, uh, 
So there are innocent people in prison. And I feel bad for them and we should try to get them out of prison. But let's say if there's, and I'm just throwing this out, I'm not saying this is the number, I'm just throwing it out. Let's say there's 100 innocent people in prison. Of that 100 innocent people, 80 of them are guilty of something else that should have them in prison, and that's why they got wrongly convicted in the first place. They may have gotten convicted on a crime they didn't commit, but the reason why they were in the crosshairs was because of the crimes they did commit. For the most part, you don't find straight A, straight B, or even C students who mind their own business and aren't looking for trouble, very rare to find them in prison for anything. Career criminals, people that run with the wrong crowd and do shady stuff, yeah, sometimes they get convicted of things they did not do. May have happened to that Adnan Saeed from the Serial podcast. Sounds like he got caught up and it took 20 years to get him out of prison or whatever. But that's a rare case. Anywho, uh, we're going to switch up topics to some degree. Maz Ture and Matt Walsh have been going back and forth about America's criminal justice system. Are we harsh enough on drug traffickers? They had a little dispute over Twitter. We'll get to the bottom of it with Maz Ture. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Philadelphia and bring in uh, Maj Ture, who is in a beef with my guy, Matt Walsh, again over Twitter. I, I, listen, I spent a lot of time, uh, or not a lot of time, but I've been, Maj, I've, I've been trying to find Matt Walsh's original tweet that I think sparked this. I think there was a picture of Singapore's airport and how beautiful it was. And, and there was something about, we can't have nice things in America because you know Singapore, I think, has capital punishment and they spank people for stealing or whatever. A am I right? Is that the tweet that, that, that sparked the, the debate or the back and forth between you and Matt Walsh? Yes. Uh, and that's that's a pretty solid paraphrase. I'm pretty sure everyone would, you know, not be too upset with that. That tweet speaks to, um, you know, you wanting. Hold for one second. Hold for one second. Let me let me I'm going to let you unpack everything. But now that we've established that's the tweet. Yeah. Why did that that sparked you to respond? And if so, why? It's just more of the same, uh, you know, neocon, non-conservative, asking for more government that comes out of the mouth of Matt Walsh. Um, and, you know, before, as, as we discussed on the show before, you know, if we're talking about getting more conservative values in urban America, black America, where it's needed, asking for the government to be more involved in cane and brutalize petty thefts, right? That's not American. You know, there's a thing called the Eighth Amendment. You know, cruel and unusual punishment is a thing that we don't want. On top of the fact that, you know, the war on drugs has been a historic failure. The founding fathers 
even though I morally disagree with it, the founding fathers used drugs. And I'm not saying I'm not advocating for drug use, but I'm also not going to advocate for more intervention by the state to come into poorer communities to force and beat people for choices that they make with their body. I think that's the height of just you sound like a leftist in that space. Not sure if he sound like a leftist, but he, he I do agree with you that yeah, you he may be misguided in, in, you know, a leftist calling for harsh punishment for drug offenses. I don't I don't see that as consistent. No, I'm not saying it, he's, he's doing the same thing that a leftist did. There were leftists that advocated for the state to come in and violate Americans that chose not to take a jab or wear a mask. See, his brand of statism is in alignment with the one that he morally agrees with. That's exactly what leftists do. Just because I personally, I work out, you know, I have a sip of maybe whiskey here and there, which is a drug, which is a poison, right? But just because the state sanctions it doesn't mean it's okay. My body doesn't know the difference. But saying that to say, I take care of my body. I am hard on criminals. I am. I want them arrested when they violate people's rights and property, right? But what I'm not going to do is because people decide to use drugs that I'm going to say, oh, that the government should step in where we and our communities have failed because that's what it is. Now we want big daddy government to come in so we can have nice things. You would advocate anyone that's advocating for more government involvement so we can have in the Singapore example, a, a, a airport with acute waterfall, anybody that's doing that is hiring the state to try to speak in for the American culture and American politics failures. That's what leftists do. They want to tie the state in to come do their dirty work to attack people that they disagree with. That's a leftist tactic. Okay, and so let's say I agree with you there, mm -hmm. but can you not understand why some Americans are looking at the chaos in our major cities mm -hmm. and out of frustration are like, and they're look, not just the chaos, but they're looking at people getting away with relatively violent crimes and, and certainly cash and or, you know, smash and grab, looting and all this other stuff. And, and, and coming to the conclusion that we need more punishment, at the very least. You know, we, know we, we need more punishment because this seems too chaotic. I'm not saying he's offering the right solution. I'm saying can you, can you be sympathetic to the frustration that may have taken him away from more consistent small government values? Absolutely. So two things to that. One, my shirt says make criminals afraid again. I want hard punitive measures. I'm a Second Amendment absolutist and activist. If you use a firearm in the commission of a violent crime or to violate somebody for robbery, rape, homicide, theft, I want to throw the entire book at you. That's me, because you are violating an American's rights. So I can understand the frustration. The irony is he made an entire video about me talking about not being empathetic for people. I am being empathetic for his frustration or other Americans' frustration. However, that empathy does not mean that we advocate or even look at the lack of freedom that the Singapore people and their government have as a model for Americans. If you don't like that as an American, you can move to Singapore. That means you fail culturally. 
That means uh, you you want the gov. Obviously, like I said, you want the government to step in and do your dirty work. So I can be empathetic for the frustration. But as a person that presents himself to be smart, he should know a better way to articulate it. And on top of that, the empathy starts to run a little bit dry when you then double down. Because right under that, he says, some people are saying that I am in this tweet. I'm asking for the type of harsh sentences uh, to petty theft that the people of Singapore have. Let me assure you that I am. So again, ignore the Eighth Amendment. This is the same guy that says, you know, we need more harsh crimes. And it's, it's just not paying attention to the reality. America's had the war on drugs for a thousand years. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously being tongue in cheek when I say a thousand years. The war on drugs has not worked. The founding fathers owned hemp farms. When you cannot identify that the GOP, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not expecting Democrats who are clowns, I'm not expecting Democrats to lead the culture charge and raising our children properly. On one hand, we say the fatherlessness, the family structure, so forth and so on, and no legislation will solve it. A lot of people in the GOP and neocons say that when convenient, but when they get frustrated, they respond like immature children. And that's what Matt's response here is. It's not principled. It's not in alignment with conservative, limited government values. It fails to highlight the failure of our American culture and society. And now you want to turn the boot of the state on those same people, including yourself, Matt, who has failed to do it in that community, and it's just backwards. So I can have empathy for it, for the understanding and the frustration, but I'm always gonna defend the freedom of the American people, even for things that I disagree with. You're an idiot if you shoot up heroin publicly. I live in Philadelphia. You are a clown. It's not healthy, it's not good, it does not help our communities be better. However, I'm not gonna advocate for the government to come in and violently attack people just because we want a different nice thing, no. Think you're on rock solid ground. I, I, I do what I think this points at and gets at is, you know, we've allowed so much chaos that we're bringing people out of character, and and we're bringing people away from logic, and and that's what happens when you allow this much chaos. When when you, when you let Antifa go into cities. And, and tear things up and, and nothing and, and celebrities and politicians come to their defense and then you let people go to January 6th and you throw the book at them, people now start getting illogical and frustrated and they start coming up with solutions out of anger. And, and, and again, I, I think your arguments are sound and, and all that. And so tell, walk me through what is the solution yeah. If, if, if not Matt's way, what is the solution? So two things here. One, when you say um, I'm upset for Antifa, Antifa's going all over the place. Antifa means anti-fascist. Obviously, fascism is bad. But then when you identify, you self-describe yourself as a theocratic fascist, right? That's in a, that statement that Matt made on this Twitter is in alignment with a theocratic fascist view. Someone that believes that religious or even even um, someone that may, you know, and I, I want to be careful when I say this because I don't want to offend our Islamic brothers and sisters. Some of the people that have Sharia law, that's like a we are doing this completely based on this religious space and there's going to be some sort of fascism or totalitarianism associated with it. That's not freedom. OK, 
Um, so when you identify as that and then you make statements like this, I would challenge that it's not a mistake based out of frustration. Now, let's get back to the empathy card. If you make a mistake out of frustration, that's horrible leadership. You have to own your loss. When you make that decision, if I, I am a gun owner, I don't make illogical decisions as it relates to my firearm. And if I do, and if I impact someone, fortunately, this is just tweets. And, you know, unlike the left believes, words are not violence, right? But if I make a decision out of frustration in the city that I live in, because I'm tired of these things, I'm still going to go to jail and be held accountable and responsible for my actions, regardless of my mental state. That's it. If you position yourself as a leader, you have to know this. This is time where this is where the adults put their big boy pants on and they articulate these positions out of logic, out of the Constitution, out of freedom, out of respect for the Americans, even the ones that we don't like. Okay, the system, that system. So the solution there is this. This isn't a conversation of me as a libertarian. I'm asking for everybody to just do drugs and let's just destroy you know, uh, public spaces. No, that's not my position. First of all, the places where these men and women are shooting up, let's take my city, Philadelphia, because I think a few days after that, Matt put up a video of Kensington in Philadelphia, which is almost the largest open air drug market in America, right? I'm there. I see this. I've done, I've done stuff there. These people want to do drugs. Government, leftist government is letting them. But here's how we could solve that. The places that they're in front of in public view are, it's not public parks, it's private property. So that means someone owns it, and instead of them taking control of their community, if we took one block and those 10 businesses or homes on that block, because they're mostly in commercial spaces, they are owned by private businesses. As a private business at the Solutionary Center in Philadelphia, which is still in North Philadelphia, there's no crime on our block. There's no violating anybody on our block because our community understands that there's going to be strong men and women there to highlight where you're wrong, stop you, and we have the means to protect ourselves if you take it a little bit further. That's an actual American solution that can happen because it's a private location. This isn't an argument of, you know, the uh, city government is letting these guys, like they did a while back, just hang out in public parks. This is private property. This is a libertarian solution that we've presented for a bunch of time. This is a conservative solution that actual conservatives un that respect private property understand. I don't want anybody loitering on my private property, being high, shooting up heroin, so I get to move them. You get one block of people doing that, though that block of people remove. And those people can shoot up the drugs that they want to for the idiots that they are, for the addicts that they are, because there's a sickness there too, right? But I don't have to support that sickness. As the property owner, as the property owners across this maybe 10 block you know, radius, the people need to be involved in their communities since the police are not doing anything and the police have no obligation to do anything and we're not asking for the police to do more. You as a community have to be responsible. But see what happens there is you have to be an actual man. You have to be outside of just Twitter talking. You have to actually be engaging in your community and you have to do something if it's happening in your community. But if it's not happening in your community and you don't even live in these communities and you wanna criticize and critique the people doing it without doing anything, I'm gonna question you every time, especially if you're asking for more involvement by the police, especially when you're advocating for uh, so-called violent people, 
right? So-called drug addicts. How would that work? How's that worked out for the January 6th folks that was just standing there? They've convinced that the January 6th people were the, the end, the harbingers of death, and the government had to come in and swoop and arrest them and interrogate them and all of that. When you start using the state for your brand of, brand of flavor, don't be upset when they come do it to your team too. So the answer here is uh, respect for property rights. The answer here is communities taking back their community on their private property. The answer is, hey, if you want to go shoot those that heroin up somewhere else in the comfort of your drug den, wherever you are outside of my pro- private property, then you are welcome to do it. Die on your own time. We're not helping you. We're not allowing you to just loiter in front of our thing. But you actually got to have some balls to do that as opposed to just talk. And so... You've hit on what makes me cape up for Matt a little bit. And, and so let me put my Matt Walsh cape on. It is, is you've basically questioned his manhood politely, but you've questioned his manhood. And I sit here and say, Matt Walsh's real fight is, and what he's most passionate about, is the transgender issue and what's going on with kids and drag queens at school. That's where, again, I have no questions about his manliness, manhood, courage. He, his, his wife, they're all in this together. There's real risk in what he's doing. He's dealing with legitimate death threats, has security. The, 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 and he's just, I don't have any questions. I think he was, and particularly listening to you today, and even when I was reading, I was like, I think Maj is right here, and, and Matt's wrong, and, and Matt's letting off steam in an area that he's really not an expertise. He's giving in to the frustration, and because and, I feel myself giving in to that same frustration because of what's going on with kids, and the gender mutilation that we're legalizing and all that other stuff. And, and, and I'm someone capable of, if, if I don't discipline myself, I'm capable of tweeting out, they should slaughter all these, whatever doctor cuts mm-hmm. off a child's breast, we should light them up. I'm capable of tweeting out something that stupid. Mm-hmm because I'm that frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and so I think he's dealing with that same frustration, got undisciplined, made a mistake. And so that, that's the way you came at, again, I read so, it over so Twitter. Let, like, me, let me clarify. Miles is on solid ground, and you're definitely I'm, I'm, on solid ground it. here. I, I don't think yep. that, I, I'm not talking, the question was, what do I think is the solution? Matt? is run of the mill in regards to people that I don't see in the community, but always want to critique the community. So that's not directly just at Matt. And again, when I smash somebody's approach, I'm smashing their approach and you give me the room to do so if I can't point to where you're actually helping with the solution. I have an entire solutionary center in Philadelphia that we give classes away for free on all of the things that a lot of so-called conservatives, and I'm not attacking all conservatives, I'm saying a lot of people say stuff, but I need to see you have a little more skin in the game. So that's not just Matt. Matt is actually just like the footnote in this conversation. It's a symptom of what I hear when, you know, going back to our other conversation of when someone is saying or tweeting things, right? 
that is supposed to be conservative that makes my job harder to get conservative values in the demographic that I have to engage because I actually engage. So this isn't a diss to Matt and his, you know, listen, I said this before too. I, I, I love, I love his perspective, the way that he dissected the, the, the kid that looked like feminine Jesus on Dr. Phil and all of that. I loved it. I loved it. But stay in your lane. And when you slide out of your lane and have conversations about things, especially out of frustration, we live in America. You are welcome to express yourself and others are welcome to critique you. And just like I didn't for that 15 minute video that I failed to watch that he made about me, right? Saying I'm just a guy that sells t-shirts and I didn't watch the whole thing, but now you've walked yourself into a space. Now, if you catch my radar for doing something great for our community or making yet another statement that's leaning into the statist authoritarian position, I, in the area of debate and the uh, battlefield of you know ideas, I'm going to light you up. And it's not just Matt. It's everyone that does this. I've had the same smoke for Brandon Tatum. I've had the same smoke for, you know, people in my community that talk about how bad it is. But when I say, hey, come donate to our, you know, classes to keep these things free to all. You guys say that this type of stuff should be happening in the community. We made a space. We're fundraising. We aren't taking tax dollars. We're not Ukraine. We're not getting a bunch of government handouts. Right. We're not taking your money. We're saying, OK, well, if you can't show up on Tuesday to a free class or a stop the bleed class or a sewing class or a phlebotomy class or a Spanish class or a plumbing class, if you can't do any of that, just donate a few bucks. Right. And then they get mums the word. So I'm going to be that critical about those people as well. Again, I am a leader. And my commitment to leading means whatever happens and doesn't happen is my fault. And if Matt or any conservative or any libertarian or any Democrat, right, puts themselves in a position of leadership and they say things that makes my job as a leader more difficult, I got to check them on that. And it's not it's not a it's not a diss to him as a human. I believe that me and Matt have more in common outside of his Twitter page. Right. I'm going to be very clear about that. Um, Would I stand toe to toe with Matt or any conservative before a leftist that's clearly trying to destroy America? That's adding to people being obese, right? That's adding for uh, gender swapping and all of these wild things. Clearly, when brothers and sisters fight in the house, they fight in the house. But when we go outside to defend America, no one's gonna really like attack America. My question becomes, do you really want freedom and liberty? And I'm not gonna let up on that. Do you actually want freedom and liberty and actually understand it? Or are you going to be consistently moved by an authoritarian, theocratic, fascist thought process that is not in alignment with the freedoms that we have in America? And I have to, my highest alignment is to freedom and America. That's my team. And anyone that's consistently putting themselves in a leadership position have to question your leadership if you're allowing yourself to consistently be led by things that are not of the Constitution, not of God, just like he would say about someone trying to mutilate a child, just like you would say, right? I have to question your position there if you're making these moves and on top of those moves, um, 
I don't see you in the communities that you're critiquing. Don't talk about police reform if you're not helping the community, if you're not helping these young people guide themselves in a better direction. Don't talk about defund the police if you're not funding the people doing the community work that's necessary. I don't care if it's $10. If everybody listening to this right now that's going to agree with some of the points, right? Imagine if they all went over to our website. Follow me on Instagram, whatever. I get kicked off every couple of weeks. I'm kicked off again, maj 2 ray 999 right? Imagine if everybody watching this went and donated $10. Everybody that's on the right, that's tired of what leftists are doing to our country, that said, hey, I'm going to donate. We got four, $400,000 left to raise. If 100,000 people saw this and donated $10, that would be a million dollars from the people going towards cleaning up the major city in the video that Matt's talking about or posted, not Singapore, but Philadelphia. But when we talk about these things and then don't do the bare minimum, and then it comes across my desk, I live in the place where the trauma, negligence, ignorance, and death is. I live there. I haven't moved away. I have the financial means to move away. I have not moved away. So I'm very, that's, that's where my defense mechanisms kick in, you know, because I need you to do more than just talk down. I need conservatives especially to tap into that constitution, tap into that Bible or whatever your spiritual practice is, and I need to be some action behind those words. But if the words are leading in with fascism and authoritarian vibes, I'm going to critique it every day. I cannot critique a word you just said because I'd be the biggest hypocrite. Much of what you said is in total alignment and I catch heat because, you know, here recently I've leaned into criticism of Ben Shapiro that a lot of conservatives love. And I'm just like, hey, bro, I'm a free speech guy. You stopping Candace Owens from interviewing Kanye West, not good with me. You, you, you want to, we can't talk about Hollywood and Jewish control of Hollywood because, you know, I'm anti-Semite, I'm an anti-Semite if I do it, not good with that. And so I, I catch the same heat, the same, why are, you, why are you picking on Ben? I like Ben for the most part, but on free speech and America first, and I don't give a damn about, I, you know, I, I because of the mosaic cover, I do care about Israel, but I'm most, I'm 99.9999%, I'm just about America. So I, I, can't, I can't knock what you're doing. Glad you came on to explain. Uh, I, I, you know, I still like Matt Walsh uh, <laughs> for the work he's doing with the transgender and all Me that. Too. And I, I agree with you, y'all got far more in common than you got against, but I, I can't knock you for you know, I criticize what is a woman. Everybody loved what is a woman. I, I loved it too, but you know, they left God out, so I was upset about that. So, Monster mm-hmm. Ray, uh, I'm gonna call you a skinnier uh, Jason Whitlock. Uh, so <laughs> I can't uh, can't knock what you're doing. Uh, thank you, Maj. Appreciate it. Great job. Uh, I think uh, we'll play some tomorrow, and that means we'll see you tomorrow. Freedom, looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back. Free.
I just want 